0: Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on The Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa.
1: And I'm Allison.
0: This week we're having a second visit with our buddy from way back in episode 37, Emmanuel Chabrier. Previously, we looked at his most well-known orchestral work, Espana. But today we'll be taking a listen to a very interesting but shorter piano work, Fouillet Del Boom.
1: since it's been a bit since we talked about Chabrier, here's a quick bit of bio! Chabrier was born in 1841, and quickly made a name for himself as a prodigious musician publishing works as early as age 14. However, in his early adult life, Chabrier actually didn't turn his sights towards becoming a professional musician, rather he had lawyerly aspirations, and initially started college in law
0: school and he's one of the few composers we've talked about who went to law school and actually finished. He was very good at what he did and quickly became well-respected within the field. But music remained a favorite hobby, and he continued to play and write in his free time. However, in 1879, Chabrier became aware of the great Wagner's music, and then there was no turning back. He aspired to write great works as well, and actually ended up making a complete career shift to be a full-time composer. And compose he did with great success.
1: He became immersed in the Parisian avant-garde scene. For years, he had been friends with the Impressionist painter Edouard Manet, and now he himself could become a well-known leader of this Impressionist world. Also, prior to leaving his law post, Chabrier had many opera attempts and aspirations. And now, with his whole life dedicated to music, he really had a boom of opera production.
0: Chabrier's Spanish flair began to show during this time as well, of course notably with España, but many of his piano works also feature a Spanish influence. He had actually visited Spain, and like many other composers we've talked about, found inspiration in the vibrant folk music he found there though, of course, adding his particular French Impressionist twists as well. And Chabrier was always one to push the limits of normality, and the striking offbeats he found in Spanish music was right up his alley.
1: Chabrier was sort of like Satie in a way. Maybe we should actually revisit the absurd world of Satie as well in the future.
0: Absurd it was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Chabrier liked to write about silly things in a serious, but not too serious, way. For example, though he did well writing the more serious topics in his dramatic operas, his small songs often took on a humorous note, such as his Villanelle des Petits canards*, which describes anthropomorphized ducks that are stately marching around the countryside.
0: Regrettably, once turning his life over completely to the musical arts, Chabrier only had 14 years of musical life left. In his later years, he suffered gradual mental and physical collapse. His masterpiece opera, Gwendolyn, was premiered while he was still alive, but due to his mental fog, he sadly didn't realize he was hearing his own composition. He died in 1894, but left an extensive collection of masterful French Impressionist works behind.
1: And now moving on to today's piece, Julier d'Album. This was part of a large set that was actually published posthumously. Chabrier seems to have initially wanted this whole set to actually contain around 20 small pieces, but in the end, only five were ever produced before Chabrier went into his retirement.
0: The piece itself was meant to be published in a monthly magazine to be accompanied by some sort of artistic image. The title itself translates to an album leaf, which could be interpreted as a page from an artist's sketchbook. And the description Chabrier gave for the desired image was, Blonde and very pale little girl, dreamy and tender, that's the feeling.
1: So while we hit you with a lot of theory in our last episode, we're going to go a little more easy on this one and delve into the ever-evolving emotions evoked by this little piece. We open first with this little A theme. And we also have a B theme. And finally, a slightly different rendition of the A theme.
0: Looking a bit deeper now into the music, the main theme starts out very melancholy. This particular leap of a minor third really sounds anguished. But before we can dwell on that too long, we get a little switch into what might be a more major sound before resolving back into our minor melancholy once again.
1: But as the second round of the melody plays through, the whole section is wrapped up and we actually do get into a more positive sounding space and we end on a major sounding key. Now during this whole section, Chopin has been using upward arpeggios. There has been a little bit of downward movement in the melody, but overall the background notes have an upward trajectory. Now keep this detail in mind for later.
0: But first on to the B section. We already have a little more movement throughout the writing with more of a pulse in the bass notes, which gives us some more energy here. We also get those Hallmark Impressionist sounds, the intervals of sixths and fourths. At the end of the B section, we get the bass line having more of the melody than it's had up to this point, with a little response in the treble. And this sounds like it could be the start of a new section, with a whole conversation between the treble and the bass. But rather, I think it's a standalone idea, just a single question and answer before the music moves on to our final A section.
1: Though this is definitely the same melody we heard at the beginning of the piece, this A section sounds different. For one, the background notes are triplets rather than the duple eighths. But also, they are moving downward this time, instead of upward. So what does this do to the feeling of the music? Well, it might be different for each listener, but here are just a few of our ideas.
0: Well first, the quicker notes could give the music a sense of urgency. Perhaps at the beginning it had been lazy and dreamy but now it's impatient and jumping to action.
1: The change in the background note direction, downwards now versus upwards before, maybe feels more final. Upward may sound more aspirational, while downward feels more winding down.
0: Or perhaps it sounds more grand. The simple eighth notes moving upward into the same note range as the melody could be a bit one-dimensional while now the faster triplets shooting down into the bass away from the treble is an added flourish and piques your interest in a way that wasn't present before.
1: So again, listener, you can decide how this makes you feel, but we encourage you to try this little thought experiment. For your listening ease, here are the two different variations on the A section played back to back. Chabrier does in this final A section as we are rounding out to the end is add more flourish in the treble melody itself. So rather than just relying on the inner notes to add interest, Chabrier adds triplet chords between the main melodic notes, but still played by the right hand in that same treble register.
0: to round it all out, Chebrier ends with a cute little flourish. It's so cute, it's almost cheesy. So that concludes our little piece today. Though it was short, we hope we were able to demonstrate that with some careful listening, you can pick up on subtle differences a composer chooses to add, and think about why.
1: Shopper why? Chabrier or Chabernet.
0: <laughs> and speaking of Chabrier, if you liked today's episode on Chabrier, make sure you Chabra-stay by liking and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., wherever your podcasts Chabra play. <laughs> for the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa
1: and I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Fugheta Boom was performed by Peter Bradley Fulgoni. You can find the Coffee House on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical@gmail.com. At